0: on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Dr. and presented by Riverwind Casino. Why are people hating on Oklahoma so much? We talk about it. We also talk about Cody Jackson jumping in the portal and OU's possibility of getting a portal QB. Then Dane Brugler joins us to talk some NFL draft, including the OU guys. And we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us, all right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, April 27th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts, and Riverwind will be featuring live music and local food trucks every month starting in May for the Beats and Bites Festival performers include the Randy Rogers Band and Scotty McCreary. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Ted, I feel like I feel like how the morning has started for you. There there's a bit of frustration going on. Are we all right, man?
1: I'm good. I'm good tried to change things up and of course technology not having it today and it's a uh it's a saw moment just trying to breathe in before I really start to do some damage to my equipment it's close I'm, I'm teetering on the edge for some reason and I can't figure this out which this is maybe the least of the problems but my internet hates our or my uh My email hates our rundown for some reason. It will not allow it to come through. It's the weirdest thing ever.
0: It has happened so many times where I send you the rundown. You're like, Hey man, can you resend it? And I'm like, I've sent it like three times and it just never appears in your email for whatever reason.
1: Nope. Nope. But we got it. We're good to go. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. 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 Ready to, ready to hit this thing.
0: If, if you lose it, People tend to like when you lose it on here, so it, <laughs> possibly, it, it may be good, may be good for the coming. podcast. Now, we, we wanted to get this out early because we've got Dane Brugler. Uh, he, he covers the NFL draft. He's the number one draft analyst for The Athletic, puts together The Beast, which is by far the most comprehensive NFL draft guide you're going to find. And with the first round starting tomorrow night, uh, Thursday night, we wanted to get this out a little earlier maybe than we usually do. So. That, that's why we're recording in the
1: morning. And sometimes we just like to get it out of the way, you know? It's nice. It's nice to cap it off early in the morning and be done, baby.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's get to the OU stuff. And we didn't really address this on the last episode because I, I don't know. We didn't, we didn't really feel like it was that necessary to acknowledge it. But so many people have brought it to our attention that we got to say something. So maybe the best way to to say it is if you're one of those people saying that OU only had 75,000 people at their spring game because there's nothing else to do in Oklahoma you're an idiot I I don't know what else to say because Ted do people think it's just Gaylord family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. And then like the rest of the state is just flat, barren wasteland around it. Is that what like I feel like that's the mental maybe there's some horses sprinkled in in there somewhere? There's maybe a covered wagon or two rolling across this barren wasteland. Is like, do they just think we have no other options for entertainment or that we just don't have anything else that we could do around here?
1: That's yes. The answer to that, quite simply is yes, that's what people think. Um, I guess that's what people think, especially if you live uh, on the coast somewhere and feel like uh, nowhere else in the country is worth your time. And it's funny. You know, you can pretty much do the exact same things here that you can anywhere else, except for obviously the beach. All right, we don't have the beach, but what we do have is tons of awesome lakes that people go to like crazy um everything else yeah you can go hiking you can go fishing you can go camping you can go to amusement park you can go to the movies you can go shopping you can go hang out at some of the great parks in the area I don't know. I can go on forever. Um, those people are total morons, and there's no reason to even continue the conversation with them. What they don't, I don't think they understand the hilarious self-own that it is. Whenever you try to convince yourself that, oh, well, yeah, we had our spring game, but there's so many other things to do here. Instead of that, that's why no one was there. Yeah, that's why no one wants to go to that school because there's no history. There's no uh, interaction with the fan base. There's, there's like the, the abundance of people that have come together around Oklahoma football is awesome. That's not happening out there. So quit trying to, to justify it by saying there's nothing else to do. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I live – I can leave my house – and be at the stadium in approximately 30 minutes. And there's a lot of stuff to do where I live. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of stuff to do where you live and you live much closer to the stadium than I do. Like I, I think this is just people trying to make themselves feel better about their program. Right. And you, you look at it, it's like, Oh, Oh, you only had that because you know, there's nothing else to do. It's like, they know that's not true. They're just, they're just making excuses to make themselves feel better. And, and that's fine. I, I'm fine with people continuing. Now, I get mad when people talk down on Oklahoma, like as a state. I, I, I won't lie. I do. It upsets me. But there's also part of me that's like, I'll let them keep thinking that. Man, we, we know we know everything there is to do in this state. Within an hour of Norman, we know how, how nice it is to live here, like the quality of life you get living here. We know how nice people are here and respectful and how people around here don't think that they're better than everyone else. So I, I, also, I also get the sense that people think that OU fans can only live in Oklahoma like that every fan that came to the spring game, like lives in Oklahoma city or Tulsa or Edmond that, you know, there app there happened to be some people that live in Dallas and came to the spring game. They, they left I, their big fancy city to yeah. come to the spring game and support the program because football matters here.
1: I talked to people that came from New Jersey to go to the spring game. I talked to people that came from Nebraska I talked to people that came from Iowa. I talked to people that came from Arkansas. I talked to people that came from Texas, and I talked to people that came from New Mexico. That was within about 10 minutes during a pregame show at Balfour on Campus Corner. So, yeah, there's people coming from all over the place. But just for a fun little exercise, let's, let's just concede the point and let's say you're right. There's nothing to do in Oklahoma. Thank God we have a spring game because there's, we have nothing else to do with our time. What, what else would we do on a Saturday right. without the spring game? Let's concede that point. The only thing there is to do in Oklahoma is football. That's it. There's nothing else to do. Would you rather go play at a place where what you do can't get anyone's attention because there's so much to do? Or would you rather go to a place where everyone is focused on everything you do and the support, because there's nothing else to do, is overwhelming? I think I'd rather go to the place where the support is overwhelming because there's not shit else for anyone to do but hang around and watch and talk about and celebrate football. That's what I'd pick.
0: I, once again... I think some of the people that think they're dunking on Oklahoma as a whole, yeah, don't realize that they're telling on themselves.
1: It's that's right. It's a that's what I'm saying. It's the most hilarious cell phone I think I've ever seen in my life. It's just like, oh, we've got
0: so much to do. No, no, no. You it's okay. You can just admit you don't care the way that we care. Especially yeah. now, like the the fan base is fired up. And I, I know the Baker Mayfield thing that brought a lot of people to it. But you're right, man, because if if you're a recruit now, things have changed, certainly, right, with with NIL and how that is affecting where players are going. But players want to go play at places where people are crazy about football. The NIL stuff factors into that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at you look at what football means here there's going to be a lot of guys that, that that are going to want to be a part of that and that's why you know this notion that you know when OU goes to the SEC like the wheels are just going to fall off like recruits aren't going to come to Oklahoma it's like no 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 that's only going to ramp up the investment and how people care around here is it going to be harder absolutely but i I, I don't think people understand how kids think. And, and I know that kids have changed, right? And I know I'm getting old, but they want to go play somewhere where football means something. Yep. They do. Like, they want to play in front of a full stadium. They don't want to play in front of, you know, 35,000 people in a stadium or 50,000. They want this thing to be packed. And when you come play at Oklahoma, it's how it is every Saturday. And everyone knows who you are. That can be good sometimes. That can be – it can be a little annoying sometimes, yeah. right? But you, you're a big deal if you come play at Oklahoma. And I know some guys, oh, well, I just get to – I get to kind of blend in in Los Angeles or, you know, wherever, Houston, wherever. But
1: from what yeah, I they can tell – no one wants to blend in, right? Yeah. No one you may uh, want to blend in after you've been a superstar somewhere and are kind of tired of that life. But when you're coming out of high school and you've got the stars in your eyes, no one wants to blend in. Yeah, you you
0: want to feel like a big deal. It's only natural mm-hmm. for these young kids. Like it's I mean it's just how humanity works. Like you you want to feel appreciate it and like you're a big deal and feel that love from the fan base. And for people, for people to think that them say, oh, there's nothing else to do in Oklahoma, but for those fans to go support their team, it's like, yeah. it And it's not, it's not that there's, there's nothing else to do. It's that, you know, where, where is it on your priority list? Right. And you, you compare it, and, and there's, there's great fan bases out there. It's like, if you've ever been to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right, it's not some booming metropolis either. And they, they love football. I mean, yep. you can say that college station, like you can say that about a lot of places. But it all comes down to where is the college team you support on your priority list? And here, it's really, really high on the priority list. And listen, going to the beach maybe higher on someone else's priority list than college football. And that's, that's their choice. But, Ted, we don't have a beach, so that's not a problem here.
1: Not a problem. And the last real point that I have on it, stop acting like it's a spring game thing, okay? It's not a spring game thing. Was it the punter that transferred to Ohio State that said, and I think Ohio State had like, would they have 55,000 or something like that for their spring game? He said, that's the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of ever. That was bigger than any crowd we ever had at USC. And it was a spring game. So he was talking about how impressive that is. So don't, don't try and slide this in on us and act like, oh, this is just a spring game thing. No, 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 no. That's not how it is. We saw the, we saw the empty stadium when lincoln had his um you know his introduction we saw that that no one has gathered for any of that stuff we know listen i get it i get it i understand it's not a big deal you got movie stars and musicians and all kind of famous people out there you got beaches you've got uh you know i get it i get it football's not that big of a deal it's okay Don't try and act, don't try and fake it to us like football's a big deal. You're just kind of, everyone's just waiting for something real. No, it's, that's, that's not the case. We'll see. We'll see whenever you open up the season. It's going to be an empty stadium all year.
0: I, I just think that some people think that they are, they're owning us when they are like, look at how much football means to these people. No. That, what a bunch of losers.
1: That's us. <laughs> that's us. That's, that's our thing. Here's the other thing. Like, Lakers not in the playoffs. Clippers not in the playoffs. The Kings didn't have anything going on. So, don't, like, there, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Don't, it was a beautiful I, day.
0: I, yeah. Listen, man, there, there were severe thunderstorms in the forecast for OU spring game. And still that many people showed up. So, I don't want to hear the weather excuse.
1: It was the same, the, the weather, it was the same as it is 300 and about 50 other days of the year in LA. Okay. Sunny, clear 75 degrees. It's the same thing year round. Do, do we just have to
0: accept that, you know, for the foreseeable future, that everything that happens with OU and with USC football are going to be compared. Like I, cause I feel like, and it just feels like we're going to have to compare every single thing. And do, do we have to pretend that we really care about what's going on with Southern Cal? Now you and I have established cheering for the defense there. We got, you know, we got some of our best friends on that defensive staff, hoping they're great defensively. And I, I'm to the point where it's like, okay, I'm kind of over it, but I know the fan base is going to continue to do this. So it's, do we just have to accept that this is going to be a comparison for, I don't even know how many years this thing is going to drag on, but it it doesn't feel like it's ending anytime soon, dude.
1: Well, I think it'll be at least the first year it's going to happen. And then I think it'll start to fade and everyone will kind of do their separate thing. But you know, one of the reasons, that it's going to continue to happen is because the, the national media, specifically ESPN, is going to throw USC in our faces nonstop. Right, there is there, there's no doubt that ESPN, with Lincoln Riley going to USC, has grabbed a hold of that, and they're going to do everything in their power to elevate it. Why? because ratings in college football have been on the decline, specifically in the playoff, right? And they know that if you can, if you can tie in the West Coast and get that population back engaged with college football, that's going to help the ratings a ton. So you're going to see them elevate USC nonstop. It's going to be relentless. If they're ever even close, there's you can you guarantee it right now that if anyone's in a a battle with USC to make it into the playoff, like if there's two one loss teams and USC is one of them, buddy, you can forget it. It's gonna be USC. They're trying to get those ratings with all of those people that live out west because they've been non existent. You go back to the very first playoff that had the best ratings, I think last year's did like fifty percent of what year one did year one, had a West Coast team in Oregon.
0: Yeah, I, I will say this. USC's going to get good. Like, they are. I agree. Like, Lincoln, Lincoln's going to recruit at a high level. He's got a lot of guys uh, on that staff that are good recruiters and really good coaches. I mean, they're they're going to get talent. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind, but it, it all comes down to what happens – when and if they get to a college football playoff, right? Because that, that's the thing. Like if people want to compare and maybe people are just calling cowherd. if people want to compare what's going on with USC and Oklahoma, really, I expect both of those schools, you know, OU for the next couple of years until they leave the USC. I, I expect both of those schools to control their conferences and to, get to the college football playoff at some point. And that's when we can compare them when they're playing Bama or Georgia or Ohio state, like those that are maybe each other. That would be, Oh my gosh. Could you imagine?
1: Awesome. But I, I will say though, I, I think USC has got themselves an Oregon problem.
0: They got a big Oregon problem. I, Phil Knight is on a mission, man. On an absolute on mission.
1: mission. And the the mindset and kind of the attitude that's going to Oregon is very similar to what we've seen come here to Oklahoma. Right. There's it's kind of the same same type of deal. And they are negative recruiting Lincoln Riley and USC like crazy. And that's going to that's going to continue. And that's that's going to be a really tough football team. And you know, in the near term, Utah is going to be really good too.
0: Yeah. I, I would say the new, uh, the new mentality at Oregon is kind of whatever it takes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Phil Knight's got that checkbook open. He's like, ah, whatever it takes. I'm getting old. But yeah, I, there's just so much. It, it, this has dragged on into the, you know, the middle of this week where people still saying, hey, you only had that kind of crowd because there's nothing else to do. So I, we had to talk about it. Um, other OU news. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I
0: didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
1: many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal.
0: Listen to The Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
2: It's only a kick. A jump.
0: A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this, Adidas. Transfer portal. You got to be in by May first. Now, to be to be completely honest with with how useless the NCA is right now, if someone went in after May first. I'm not so sure they wouldn't get a waiver to be immediately eligible for next season. I, I, I'm not entirely sure how that process would work, but with, with the current role of the NCA, I feel like that, that could happen, but OU's only had one guy enter the portal so far to my knowledge. And that that's Cody Jackson. So, and this was reporting, I think by on three who, uh, who brought this to everyone's attention. And this is a guy, man, he's got, he's got size. He's got talent just for whatever reason. It just hasn't come together for him and Norman. And I'm not sure the staff is overly surprised by this. I haven't been able to talk to anyone about it, but this is a team that has been, you know, we talked about it going in the spring game. Uh, you know they need to find some depth at wide receiver. That fifth, sixth, seventh wide receiver that they trust to put on the field. And Cody Jackson seemed like he was in the running to be one of those guys. But I, I don't know. I, I guess he decided that you know maybe this isn't the place for him. And it's not going to be with the way that BV and the staff are running things. With the accountability that they're creating, like this this place isn't going to be for everyone. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, if more guys hop in the portal, but you know, with that, with that deadline looming, uh, you know, being only a couple of days away to only have one guy in the portal. I think that says a lot about how these players are feeling about the direction of the program.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if that number is going to grow. We, we expected there to be, you know, something happen after spring ball was over. And, you know, we've only had one so far. Maybe there's going to be a couple more. And that doesn't always mean that they're unhappy with I, the new style. It could just be not going to get an opportunity to get on the field. I can kind of see that now. Um, I can probably have a better chance somewhere else of, of getting out there and being a starter. That stuff's going to happen. Uh, so I think you know you continue to hear that there's been a high level of buy-in. They got to continue to improve it, but the buy-in has been really good. And you know the wide receiver position, I'm with you uh, on on finding that fifth guy, but. Gosh, if there was a position group really uh, on the entire team that I would say, like if, if you said you're going to have a transfer portal guy, point to the position group that you would want it to come from, I would probably say receiver. I feel right. like we, we've we got a, a good amount of talent there, some young guys that are going to continue to develop some experience. We got a variety of body sizes and skill levels and and specialties, so... Um, I think it's going to be something that we're going to be able to absorb pretty well.
0: Yeah, and I, I'll add this: Kale Gundy. Remember, he's coaching all the receivers now. They they used to break it up. Him and Dennis Simmons. Those are those are two guys that have two very different styles of coaching. It's <laughs> yeah. probably the best way that I could put. I mean, kept playing for Kale, just you know, he's he's been around so long, and he was. He was on the staff when you were a player. He was on the staff when I was a player. He'll get after you, man. I mean, he will absolutely get after you to try to get the best out, out of you. So I, I don't know if that had anything to do with Cody Jackson's decision. Probably didn't because I, I think everyone respects the hell out of Kale Gundy and the way he goes about his business. But just just something to note, right, that that is – that that could be quite the change in style for some of those guys
1: yeah i would also venture to guess that kind of with the new uh, approach around OU football that Kale has probably gone back to his roots even more you know what i'm saying
0: <laughs> i i know what you're saying he is a he's a no excuses type of guy right so, yeah, that, uh, that's interesting. So as far as the transfer portal, Venables addressed the backup quarterback situation after the spring game, and here's the quote. We're still developing. We don't have quote-unquote answers right now. The portal is a definite option for us. If we go that route, you find somebody that's the right fit, the right age. There's a lot that goes into that. Not to get into all those weeds, but that is a definite concern for us. No question about it. You know, that's something that we had mentioned on here, Ted. And a lot of people noticed that Jeff Levy is now following Emory Jones on Twitter. You know, remember he's at Florida, played a lot for him last year, was in the battle with Anthony Richardson there uh, at Florida for playing time at the quarterback position. Jumped in the portal, jumped out, stayed through the spring. But, yeah, a, a lot of people are, are going to be tracking Brent Venables and Jeff Lebby's uh, follow, uh, follow list on Twitter over these next couple of days.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's interesting because I've seen some really good things from, from Micah Bowens. Um, he's athletic. He's quick. He moves around. Uh, he throws a good ball. We saw that with that, that long touchdown to, to Gibson. Um, I don't know. I There's probably been a mindset with him that I'm not breaking through. And I think whenever you kind of – it hits you that you're not breaking through, you ease off on the accelerator a little bit as far as improving and – and buying in and, and and really putting yourself forward and, and trying to get the absolute most out of yourself. Seems like maybe he's fallen into that a little bit because I, he seems incredibly talented to me. So but you know, it's it's something that we've talked about from the very beginning that they're gonna need they're gonna need some some better depth at quarterback, at least until you get Evers up to speed.
0: Yeah, from from what I understand. You know, Bowens, he's got talent, right? Like you mentioned, he's got the athleticism, but it's the consistency, Mm -hmm. right? And if you're not consistent at any position, the coaches aren't going to trust you. They're not going to put you on the field, but certainly at the quarterback position. So he's got flashes, though. You're right, man. I mean, there's some times where you look at like, wait, could that guy, I mean, could that guy start? And then there's others who are like, okay, I get it. And he's since he's been there, he's really never he's never been seriously in the mix of getting on the field. So clearly there's something, right? I mean, clearly, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens now, just because they're looking at the portal doesn't mean that they're going to add somebody like BB said, if they don't find the right guy, the right fit, then they're gonna to have to ride with this this group of backup QBs that they've got. So, I, I'll say this: if you're a backup quarterback, whether you're Michael Bowens, Ralph Rucker, uh, Nick Evers, like you gotta see this and be like, I gotta step my game up, right? I, I know that some people may say they'll see it, they'll get super offended. I, I would, I would hope that as competitors, these guys see it and they're like, okay. All right, Coach V, I, I, I see what you're saying. Like I, I got to get better. Hopefully, they use it as, as a motivational tactic, as opposed to something that they're offended by and upset with. I, right. That's my hope, at least.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that, I think it's going to be really difficult to remain on roster, and not be really not be really bought in and frankly excited to show up every single day. You know, it's it's not going to be easy to just hang around and be a part of the team. It, life is going to become increasingly more difficult especially as things continue to progress and the team gets better and better and the talent gets better and better. It's going to be it's going to be way harder if you're not because I expect there to be some dramatic improvement just on roster guys, like not even talking about recruiting, just development uh, through the strength and conditioning program, through uh, just like positional development. If, if you're not developing, you're going to stick out like a thumb. If you're not getting better, if you're not getting bigger, faster, stronger, you're going to really start to stick out. So uh, just by that nature, you're going to, I think, find guys more and more bought in.
0: Yeah, if, you are, if you're not bringing the juice every day, it's going to be awfully hard to, to play in a program led by Brent Venables and, and then led by Jerry Schmidt on the strength and conditioning side. That is, OU's not the place for you if you, if you don't want to bring the juice every single day. That, I think that is, that's very safe to say. Okay, big week for some former Sooners, right? So let's make some predictions. For some of all, you guys in the NFL draft. And you, you look at the guys that have a chance of being drafted: Perion Winfrey, Brian Osamoa, Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, Kennedy Brooks, Mike Woods, uh, DTY, Jeremiah Hall, Marquise Hayes, Tyrese Robinson, and then don't forget Gabe Burkich. So yeah. let's, let's play a little game. Who, who are you expecting to be? The first OU guy off the board.
1: Um, I this is hard because everything tells me that it's going to be Perry on Winfrey. You know, he 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 plays a you know a premium position. He obviously played really well in the Senior Bowl. He backed that up with some good numbers at the combine. And all of that stuff has been really good. But that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg, right, whenever it comes to evaluation for a draft. he The deep dive on film, frankly, is not going to be great. Now, he is going to have some things where, and we've talked about this before, whenever you do something really well, like you have a great senior bowl performance and you have good combine numbers, that's going to skew or bias the way that people look at your film. They're going to look at your film and say, well, well let's get to the reason behind the lack of production, and, and maybe we'll be able to pull that out of him. And some of the scheme stuff is going to help him in that regard. Right. But there's also going to be some other stuff on there that they're not going to like. They're going to see him get blown off the ball. They're going to see him get pancaked. right? right. They're going to see, um, you know, some lack of effort on some plays and you know i'm i'm just they're
0: they're going to watch the two lane game
1: yeah so i'm just i'm i'm concerned that i'm concerned that some of that has is going to creep in and and be a big negative for him but you know i i don't know i i'm going to say perion's the first guy off the board but it's it, i'm 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 really close to saying Osamoa. And I think, okay,
0: let's, how about this? So, a, I think that we both agree that if you're looking at a guy, an OU guy, that could go higher than a lot of people think, I think the answer is Brian Osamoa. Yeah. Now, some people may look at Nick Benito and say, wait, 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 how, how would you think that Asamoah goes before Benito? Because Benito, he plays one of the two premier positions when it comes to drafting defensive players. They draft pass rushers and corners high. And that's, that's, those are the two premier positions on the defensive side of the ball in the National Football League. But the thing about Benito is, uh, unless you have, a really clear vision of how you're going to use him. He wasn't, he wasn't like a dominant edge player. And remember it was the big 12. When you look at the big 12 offensive linemen. They're going to be drafted that he played against the tackles. They're that they just aren't there. Like especially being drafted high like in the first three rounds and he no. didn't have the senior bowl or the NFL PA bowl or the shrine game or any, like he ran well at the combine, but at, at what point is like the film is what it is. Right. So when you look at Osamoa, one thing that I think teams are going to love, the dude just played hard all the time, all the time. Yeah. Does he have, does he have some issues maybe diagnosing some things, getting lost in the trash a little bit? Yeah, but he played his ass off and he can absolutely fly. So even though inside backer isn't typically a position that goes really, really high, I could see, I could see someone going, I know what I'm getting with Osamoa. I know where he fits in my defense. I can teach him to recognize some things better. I can, I can help him analyze the game. The raw materials are there and the effort is there. That's, yep. that's, that's where I think Asamoah may, may go a lot higher than people think.
1: Yep. He, he, the way he moves, he's really efficient. He's explosive. Um, effort. All right. Whenever you turn on the film to watch Nick Benito, what you're... Uh, often going to see is Brian Osomoa flying past him to get to the football when Benito's jogging. That is a big no-no whenever it comes to how you look on film. Like there's no quicker way to get passed over on draft day than uh, lack of effort, the note on on some of your play. So I think that's one of the big things that you're you're going to see there and. You know, I, I believe that Osimo is one of those guys that is frankly more suited for the NFL than he is college. And I think that I think that he, he could find a home, you know, quite a bit higher than what, what most people are gonna be expecting.
0: Yeah. I I agree with that. I agree with that. Now who is and I hate to you know, hate to bring this up, but it's just the reality of the draft. Who's a guy that is going to go way lower than a lot of people think? I I'm hesitant to say Nick Benito just because it's a it's a it's a deep draft at the edge position. If guys go early, then like that could push them up boards. You know what I mean? So I, I do think some people are gonna be very intrigued by the get-off and just being able to mold him into kind of a, you know, an outside linebacker type player, but Kennedy Brooks, I think is a guy that OU fans are, are going to be sitting there going, why has no one bit like he was incredibly productive. He was, he was such a good player and that's all true. But one thing you got to remember is the NFL draft isn't necessarily about production. It's about, potential and elite athletic traits and that's that's really not kennedy brooks so i think there's going to be some ou fans sitting there going why has he not been taken yet i i could see i could see brooks being that guy unfortunately
1: yeah and you know unfortunately he plays a position where uh less guys get drafted high now than they used to you have to be a a super super special player to be drafted high and it's really kind of hard to separate yourself from everyone if if you look at Kennedy brooks like we know that the dude is just you handing the ball he finds yards we know that and i don't think that that's going to be different at the next level i think i think wherever he goes He's eventually just going to, they're going to be like, kind of like we were. Wow. You know, he's, he's not going to blow you away, but when you hand the guy the football, he gets good, positive yardage. I think that's going to happen. I think he's going to get an opportunity for it, but it's going to be really hard for an NFL team to, I think, be, be wowed enough to, to take him at a high spot. It's just so hard to separate from the crowd. Um, so, I agree with you there. If I was to pick one that, that goes lower than people may think because there was initially some really high, um, you know, prospects for him, it's, it's got to be Nick Benito. really does. It, he does have an elite get-off. You know, that, that can get you a lot of places, but in the NFL, you better have more than an elite get-off because that's kind of like your baseline. You got to have a great get off to even get going. And then you better have a really good skill set. You better have some explosiveness. You better have long arms. You better have um, you know, a, a high effort whenever you're out on the field. You better have a great attitude whenever you're out on the field. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I I do think that I think Isaiah Thomas is a guy that that may go a little higher than people think, just because he he maybe doesn't have the elite traits, but the effort, production, just he's a guy you, I think a lot of people would want to have on their team. So we'll we'll see, but I it'll think be he's interesting. Got good
1: size too, uh, I know he's what he's listed at. What did, did he weigh two sixty five or so at the combine? Yeah. I think he's a guy that's probably, if he can get on a spot and hang around for a couple of years, he's going to be a 285-pound defensive end that's six-five. got that's got some good long arms. I think he's got some good size to him.
0: No, I'm with you. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys to give us your predictions for the OU guys in the NFL draft. This one comes from Coach Janway on Twitter who says, Winfrey, Benito, Asamoah in the second, Thomas Hayes, Turner, Yale in the fourth, Robinson in the fifth, Brooks, Berkic, Hall in the sixth, and Woods, an undrafted free agent. He says Stokes, but I'll just say it. Laurent Stokes is not an NFL player. Yeah. Just uh, just not going to happen for him. But I will... um, Hayes is also an interesting one from from the people that I've talked to in NFL front offices like the variance on him is is interesting some people love him like think he could be a late day 2 guy and some people think he could be you know kind of a mid to late day 3 guy like that's a that's a wide range for an offensive lineman yeah so it, it'll be really interesting to see where marquise goes turner yell I'm I'm beyond curious to see where he goes, because yeah. he he's not the biggest guy in the world. That forty time at the combine was was good for him, but I just I I feel like I have no idea, even the range where he's like, I, I'm thinking he's a mid to late day three guy, but I could also be like he may be an undrafted guy. I just I got no clue.
1: Yeah, I I think that in. I hate to say this because it obviously matters for those guys. You want to be drafted high. There's no doubt about it. It means more money, obviously, the higher you get drafted. But, and it, I think it, the most important thing is to make a team, right? Whether you're drafted or undrafted, the most important thing is to get an opportunity and make the 53-man roster or a practice squad if you're a younger guy. And I, I, I think that it's going to be late for Turner Yale, but I don't think it matters. I think he's going to make a squad, either a 53 or a practice squad, just because I think he's a, a hell of a football player all the way around. Uh, special teams, as you know, is going to be a big premium for the later round guys. And I think he's a... a can be a really good special teams player. He's got that compact body. He's explosive. He's fast. He tackles really well. He can play multiple positions in the NFL. I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be so caught up for him on on where he gets drafted position wise, like what what pick he is. I just I think he's going to end up making a squad.
0: Yeah. And then this other one comes from Dusty Anderson who says Winfrey second, Nick third, DTY sixth, Thomas Brooks and Hall undrafted free agent. I would be surprised if Isaiah Thomas doesn't get drafted. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that Jeremiah Hall has become a fan favorite for, for OU fans. His big issue is just people don't use fullbacks, right? So he, he didn't test well at the combine, all things considered. Now, the guy's a football player. He's now a track star. But when you, have, when you have a less than ideal athletic profile from the testing and just not a lot of teams in the league using your position, like it's the odds, there just are only so many slots, right? So I, I don't know what's going to happen with Jeremiah Hall, but his ticket, I mean, it's going to be special teams. That's it's going to be special teams, but we'll see, man. I, I would love for him to get drafted because I, I, I think OU fans would love to celebrate that with him, but I just, I don't know. I got no yeah. clue. He's a fullback. So that's, that makes you it difficult.
1: You don't see many fullbacks drafted uh true fullbacks. And I don't, I don't know that he's a true fullback. It's hard to really classify exactly what his position is anymore. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him a thumper fullback, right? No, you know, um, he's he's, I guess, like a a blocking H back. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's going to be tough. But special teams and wherever wherever he goes, it's going to be like, what happens in front of him. Like, what? Because you never know. Like, all of a sudden, you you make a couple of plays in in uh, some preseason games maybe someone goes down in front of you and they start using you as that blocking h-back and hey this guy's got something out of the backfield and whenever he's got the ball in his hands uh you may end up making a roster that way but it's it's going to be tough because like you said it's just not not many people like those those roster spots are incredibly valuable man you can't just Can't have a guy on there to just have a guy. That's why it's tough at that spot.
0: I I also think you're like, okay, you could be a special teams guy, but special teams coordinators, I mean, they look at they look at the times, you know, and they they look at the GPS data, you know, from practice and all that. If you're a four nine guy, you're not on the field, typically. So We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm wishing him the best because I can tell you from experience. Uh, going undrafted sucks. Do not recommend it. Yeah. All right, let's do birthday shout outs. Welcome to the world, Holland Peterson.
1: Uh, happy sixth birthday to Baker Sanders. Happy seventh birthday to Finley Cooper. Happy 12th birthday to Andrew lambrugo nice
0: happy 24th birthday and college graduation
1: to nick mccauley happy 33rd birthday to randall medina
0: happy 38th birthday to jennifer
1: mcintyre happy 40th birthday to thomas norman the fifth
0: happy 46th birthday to jason burnett
1: happy 66th birthday to richard leonard Happy birthday to Evan Maldonado. Happy birthday to Cannon Bird Austin. Love that name.
0: Happy birthday to Scott Boulware, a.k.a. at Funky Sooner. Awesome. All right, let's get to Dane Brugler. We're talking NFL draft. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 500 Just kidding, 600 locations in 41 states offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places, whatever your road trip needs are. Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, yes, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com.
1: Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery, soft comfort, Go to OpolisClothing.com, that's O-P-O-L-I-S, Clothing.com, and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. And by the way, I saw a lot of um, Oklahoma Breakdown shirts out in the wild at the spring game. Good job, guys. Uh, You still get the 10% discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's OpolisClothing.com, use promo code TED, 10% off buttery soft and 10% off and
0: Bishop McGinnis Catholic high school is a place that has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to one student to teacher ratio no student is overlooked Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses there are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and as a proud member of the OSSAA there are 14 sports offered If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. You didn't mess me up again. (laughs) Too good. I'm too good. All right, speaking of too good, here's Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Let's talk some NFL Draft. It is our pleasure to be joined by the NFL Draft Analysts for The Athletic. He is the author of the Beast. Dane Brugler is in the house. What's going on, man? How are we doing tonight, guys? I'm I'm good. We just had a hell of a weekend uh, for with OU spring game, but mm. this interview is hinging on the sleeping patterns of your <laughs> twins. Correct? <laughs>
2: That's right. And I've got I've got a six, a five-year-old 6 a six-year-old, five-year-old, and then the two twins that are restfully sleeping as we speak. So let's hope it stays that way.
1: Wow. Busy, busy man. Uh, I know you've yeah. got a lot going on with the draft and all that stuff, but to throw all that in the mix, that's wild.
2: I got a very understanding wife. So, I mean, you guys know how that goes, right?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let, let, let's start with the
0: OU guys then, just in case the twins wake up. And I, I, as I look through your draft guide, which is still just mind-boggling, it seems like Perion Winfrey is the OU guy you're probably the highest on. Uh, you got him ranked as your fourth defensive tackle. You got a second-round grade on him. And my question for you is how, how much did you have to kind of change your evaluation of him after the Senior Bowl stuff?
2: Uh, I mean, being in Mobile and watching the offensive lineman kind of – quake in their boots a little, you know, when they had to face off against Winfrey. Yeah, that's going to make you go back and, uh, you know, all right, maybe I wasn't high enough on this guy because nobody wanted to block Winfrey all week uh, during the senior bowl. And, you know, it's one of those things that uh, context matters in, in as part of the evaluation process and how a player is used. I mean, we see it obviously with one of the first picks uh, in the draft, Trevon Walker could go number one uh was not a high sack guy does not have a high pressure rate as a pass rusher but when you look at the traits and then you look at how he was used the context that that matters and, and when you look at how perrion winfrey was used basically as a nose guard in, in that front um uh, you know wasn't uh, you know, a lot of slanting wasn't really asked to uh it, it, you know be able to get those one-on-one opportunities where he could show off that power show off that quickness show off the 35 and a quarter inch arms uh, and you know, to, for him to go to the mobile, to mobile, senior bowl, show out every day of during practice, show out during the game. Uh, and then unfortunately got hurt at the combine, uh, left hamstring. So he, he only did, uh, only did the 40, wasn't able to do anything else. And then he, he didn't do any drills, uh, at the pro day, but I think he had done enough at that point, especially cause this is not a strong defensive tackle class. Uh, especially guys that can create disruption, you know, both Georgia guys probably go in the first round, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Travis Jones from UConn, more of a, uh, more of that nose tackle. Uh, but Winfrey is one of the guys that can give you juice and and give you that interior, uh, pass rush that you're really looking for. And so that, that, only helps him a little bit more. I, he, he could very well go somewhere top 40 that's possible, Um, Just because of simple supply and demand. Um, But yeah, I I think it's pretty clear. He's the top Oklahoma guy for me so far this year.
1: How much is size a factor? You know, I'm not sure what schemes out there. Everyone is what teams like that run whatever schemes are the highest on him. But, you know, he's an undersized defensive tackle for the NFL. How big of a factor is that going to be against him?
2: Yeah, you know, he's six four, but he's 290. And so I think that a lot of teams, uh, not a lot of teams, but the teams that utilize more uh of like a 30 front, you know, they're they're looking at him as five technique. And but I think that it's versatility because he can give you that inside outside uh looks where he's not gonna be plugged in as only a nose or only a three technique or you know, whatever. He's got some position flex, I think, because like you said, yeah, he is undersized, but I, with that length that he plays with and some of that power, I think that you you know he can get better as a run uh, run defender, a guy that you're going to trust. Uh, but what he brings you on passing downs, you know, that that's really why you're drafting Perry on Winfrey. And you know six sacks in, in two years at Oklahoma, you know not what you're looking for. But again, when you you look at the context and how he was used and how many true pass rush opportunities did he have, that that all plays a factor in this. So. Um, yeah, I think somewhere in the second round, you know, Winfrey is going to come off the board and, and a lot of it, most of it is, you know, his ability and the traits, you know, because we know the, what's the, you know, scouting slogan, it's traits over production. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It matters what you're going to do. And when you have traits like uh, Perry Winfrey has teams are interested. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the, I think he's, and, and, and like I said, because the defensive tackle class, is just not stacking up with uh, some of the other classes, some of the other positions in this class, uh, there's, there's a very good chance that he gets pushed up just even a little bit more for a team looking for that interior presence.
0: Looking at Nick Benito as an edge guy, you've got a second to third round grade on him and just a tremendous get off, right? Explosive off the line, but never really developed kind of that arsenal of pass rush moves you're looking at for a guy at that edge position and, you know, holding up at the point in the run game wasn't exactly his strength. So where does he fit? What type of scheme do you think he fits in?
2: Yeah, that's, that's the big question. And I think that's, if you're going to draft Nick Benito, you have to have a plan for how exactly you're going to unleash him. Um, You know, it's kind of like a, like, like a, a pitcher in baseball, you know, you had your fastball but then it's how you develop that, that secondary pitch, uh, the breaking stuff, uh, you know, the change up, changing speeds, you know, all those things that keep NFL blockers off, uh, off balance. And so uh, for, for Nick Benito, he has that, uh, you know, line them up as the wide nine, let them, you know, use that uh, burst uh, to, to capture the corner and, you know, you can do it against big 12 tackles, but in the NFL, you have to keep those guys guessing, uh, you know, they'll study you and they'll know exactly what you're throwing at them. So, That's going to be the big question with Benito. And this is such a a deep edge rusher group that, um, you know, like I I like it, uh, Nick Benito, and he's not even in my top 10 edge rushers this year, Uh, just because it's such a, it's a crazy deep group uh, from top to bottom. We're going to see these guys fly off the board early top 10 and then throughout the first round, second round, third round, and even into day three. So, uh, but Nick Benito is right there in that mix. I think that, you know, you're looking at him as probably more of a sub guy, uh, you know, the sub package rusher, and then you just, you work him in. I think you got to be a little creative with a, a guy like this where, you know, maybe you stand him up uh, and, and let him spy from, uh, you know, you know, over the a gap or, or something. I mean, you, you have to be a little bit creative because he's just not your uh, prototypical uh, edge rusher, just going to, you know, put him at defensive end uh, on any down and, and that's it. So uh, I think that for a team that's willing to, invest in his strengths and, and you know kind of work on where he needs to improve uh, it's going to pay end up pay uh, end up paying dividends because that that pastoral study brings is so lethal
1: Ryan Osamoa, um linebacker i think is a fascinating uh situation here going into the draft you know he he's one of those players that i feel like is going to be a better nfl player than he was a college player uh, he he had a good showing at the senior bowl. He tested really well. He looked great at OU at pro day, going through some, some movement drills and linebacker drills. I've talked to his linebacker coach, and there's a lot of interest out there in this guy, and there's some interest in him possibly going way higher than some people think. What have you heard on Brian Alsamoa?
2: Yeah, I think he's one of those guys that just grows on you. Like, it, you, you run out of reasons why, okay, you know, why isn't this guy a second-round pick or why isn't this guy a top 75 guy? Like, you just – you start to run out of reasons. You know, like, yeah, he's not – doesn't have ideal size. It's just, you know, six foot and a half, 225, but 33-inch arms? Okay, we can work with that. You know, I, I think he's got that really impressive length for a guy that doesn't wow you uh, coming off the bus. But uh, – and the other thing, too, is, you know, I've heard, um, you know, teams – but why didn't he, why didn't you do the three cone? What's he hiding from that kind of thing. Um, but when you watch him on film, this guy uh, all over the field, the range to the sideline, uh, I, th- I think in my report, I called him a second level ninja just because of the way he can avoid those climbing blocks and uh, you know, keep, keep one eye on the blocker, but the other eye on the ball and, and make a play. So uh, there's a lot to like about Asamoa because uh, the, the tackling skills um, uh, in coverage. I don't think that that was necessarily something that, you know, you point to as a strength of his, but when he was asked to do it, I, I thought more often than not, like he, he looked like he knew what he was doing out there. It's just, uh, he needs to just you know mature his, uh, understanding of route concepts and squeezing those zones. Uh, he, he has the athleticism. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So um, he, he's that classic run and chase guy uh, with that speed, uh, that that tackling appetite that he has. So th- this is an interesting linebacker class. We're going to see uh, a couple guys possibly go round one. Uh, three Georgia guys are going to go top 75. It's crazy. Um, but uh, Asamoah was right there in that mix. I would not surprise me at all if he came off the board round two. But at worst, we're looking at probably a mid-third rounder.
0: Yeah, he can he can run, and people like linebackers that can run. Yeah. And he he does when when you turn on, like if you just look at the highlights, his highlight reel is you're just like, damn. I mean, that guy's not a first rounder. And then when you watch the full game, you're like, oh, okay, now I uh, right, I get I get where the criticism comes from. Okay, move into, move into one of the offensive linemen. Marquise Hayes, you've got him as your sixth rank guard. And Marquise is, for me, he was one of those guys like his, his good moments were damn good. Yeah. But then the moments where his pads were too high, where he lost leverage, like you just look at it going, man. So is he a guy you think teams are looking at going, hey, we can, we can get him to play at a higher level more consistently because he does have some of those moments with the you know the physicality he plays with where he looks fantastic but do you do you think NFL teams look at him and say hey we can eliminate some of those you know some of the valleys and the peaks and valleys of his play
2: yeah no i think that's fair and and i feel like i'm a little higher on Hayes than maybe than most out there uh, having him in, in my top 100 as a guy that's a potential day 2 pick um, and I'm going to bet on some of those highlights that you mentioned. I mean, we're talking about a guy at six, 320 pounds, really long arms, not, not an amazing athlete, uh, by any means, I, I wouldn't necessarily call him, um, uh, you know, explosive, but I do think he's efficient. I, I do think that, um, you know, he understands angles. He understands how to, uh, unleash that power, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, your lower body and your upper body kind of, you know, they've got to work together, uh, to, uh, you know, help, help create, uh, you know, room in the, in the run game. And so, you know, he, he's a guy that I, I think that, uh, you know, like you said, when you, you watch the, the good moments, you get excited, you know, physical hands, heavy hands, uh, c- can really create movement at the point of attack. Um, now, uh, like you mentioned though, pad level could be an issue at times. Um, just his fundamentals, just being consistent. I, I think that's something that will continue to get better and better as, as he, you know, gets more experience. And, and like, he's a three-year starter uh, at Oklahoma. So it's not like this guy's, um, you know, new out there. So, you know, he, he needs to get better with some of the, especially when blocker or when rushers, uh, you know, through their counters at him, he was a little late to adjust at times. So just understanding what's coming at him, um, because he was a heavily uh penalized player as well, and that's something that stood out on tape. But uh, again, I'm going to bet on that wide body, that length, that power that he plays with, and, and the fact that I think he he understands uh, he understands angles, he understands body position, and what he needs to do. So. Um, if I need a guard, if I'm looking, especially if I'm running a gap scheme and I'm looking for a guard somewhere in the first, uh, you know, 125 picks, Hayes squarely on my radar.
1: How about Mike Woods at wide receiver? You know, uh, he's, he's tough to project for me anyways. He's got great size. He's tested really well athletically had probably way more of a quiet year than he wanted to at Oklahoma after transferring from Arkansas, but. My goodness, does he look good whenever he's running routes and, and going through some of the drills?
2: Yeah, he sure does. Uh, he, he's a good sized player, you know, a big target. He's got those long arms to create that catch radius for the quarterback. Um, I, I think, you know, you just you did expect a little bit more. Um, and, and something that, you know, is important to me as I do my evaluations is. Uh, you know, going through these guys and, and looking at their touchdown to drop ratios. Uh, you know, all, you always want the touchdown number to be higher than the drop. And, and for Woods, uh, it, his uh, his drops were higher than his touchdowns in his career, and then also this past year uh, at Oklahoma, only uh, only two touchdowns compared to three drops. So, um, I, and is he an amazing athlete? No, but he, he's a solid athlete. I mean, I, I think you know he ran what a four five five at the combine not you know it, it, it's okay but not exactly what you're looking for uh from a speed perspective uh and, and he's a little i think he's a little straight line uh with his with his routes uh he's got that those long uh long strides which really helps him eat up coverage but at the same time settling his feet breaking off that route just needs to be more deceptive he needs to be a little more polished with what he's doing out there so Uh, you know, DBs aren't able to read him and get that head start. So, um, you know, I I think that there's plenty to like about Woods, but it's tough when you stack him against all the other receivers in this draft. It's such a a loaded position every single year. Um, And so when you stack them against other receivers, uh, I know I ended up with a priority free agent uh, grade on on Woods, um, but, you know, I, I haven't heard better than like a late round on him. And again, part of that is just, stacking them up against these other receivers. There's so many of these guys that run better or maybe have, you know, um, have something in their report, something in their game that's distinguishable from other receivers. I don't know that Woods necessarily has that one thing that you could really hang your hat on. Like, you know, whether that's size or speed or, you know, being a seasoned route runner. Like I don't think there's that one thing that you can point to and say, well, he's got this and we know that's going to translate. So, to me, that's that's one thing kind of holding up the the eval with with uh woods.
0: yeah, nothing that like, no no like one attribute that just separates him from the pack. I I, right. I hear what you're saying on that. This guy, I mean Isaiah Thomas, he's just he's just a football player, man. They they asked him to play all along the defensive line these last couple of years. Uh, you you've got a fourth to fifth round grade on him. How how do you balance like looking at a guy's traits and maybe not having ideal measurables or ideal speed like that stuff, but then looking at production and just reliability and kind of what he's meant to, to OU's defense over these last couple of years.
2: Yeah, I'll be honest. He tested better than I thought he would. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, you know, you got six, 265 and, um, you do he's not a guy that relies on speed. He relies on those heavy hands where he's going to, uh, you know, create knockback uh, at contact or, uh, quickly shed, get around the blocker, uh, use that long arm that kind of set up these different moves that he has, whether it's spin, whether it's a, a chop. Um, but he has, um, uh, he, he tested better than I thought. He ran a four, seven, a four, seven, oh, um, you know, decent vertical, decent jumps, um, but you know, still, I still, I think that he is a little tight through the hips. Uh, the fact that he did not do the three cone or short shuttle, that kind of, you know, backs that up. It probably not doing it for a reason. Um, so he is a little stiff through his midsection, through his hips. Uh, so you, he's not the best bender necessarily. Um, and then the other thing that bothered me with, uh, Thomas was that I, he left meat on the bone. I mean, there was some misproduction, especially in the backfield. Uh, you know, it's great that you're getting to the backfield, but you got to finish you mean you, you, you want to first and foremost, you want to disrupt the quarterback, make him move his feet. But I mean, a sack that and we're talking about a seven yard loss, eight yard loss, I mean, that, that changes the game. So you got to finish uh, uh, both versus run and versus pass. So I, I think in, against like we talked about with Woods in receiver position, edge rusher by far the strongest position this year uh and Isaiah Thomas I mean it's again you stack them up with all these guys in this draft and it's hard so I I would not be surprised if Isaiah Thomas is you know the 15th best edge rusher for one team and the 25th for another team and they both like him. but it's just such a loaded position that that you know that's how you kind of separate these guys based off of um some of these little things but uh no I, I think Isaiah Thomas there's you kind of you want to put them out there and you know let him go make plays uh, and, and you know use that power that knockback at contact uh, use those long arms. Um, it's you know I I, I'm, I don't know that he's ever going to be uh, you know an eight twelve sack guy in the NFL, but I think he's going to be part of rotation for a long time. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly—it's sunny again.
1: Well, we just had the spring game. We watched Baker Mayfield's Heisman statue get um, unveiled there. It was a fun, fun atmosphere for that. But, you know, he still doesn't have a home. What have you heard as far as maybe draft day moves, um, some type of trades with picks or something to to get Baker Mayfield? I don't know if – I mean, I'm sure Cleveland's dying to trade him, but – They've pretty much killed his his trade value. But what are you hearing out there?
2: Yeah, and you know it's I, 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 it's it's funny how now the reports are out there that uh, well maybe they'll bring him back because you know Deshaun Watson could be uh, suspended, so maybe you just bring him back, let him you know play the first six games or however many games Watson suspend. You can't do that. You, you, no you mean. You guys uh, can speak to that, yeah. I mean, you guys can speak to it more than I can. Uh, you know, being in locker rooms, you guys have been in. It's just not going to work. You can't. This isn't Madden, you know, where you can just uh, you know carry a guy like that. It's it. It'll disrupt too much. I, that's basically I mean Cleveland telling these reporters that, or you know, but hey, just put this out there. Maybe you know, get teams a little antsy about uh, you know because they're te- Seahawks, Panthers. They're sitting back saying well, we don't have to push the issue, uh, you know, because we know you're not going to keep them. So, and we know that there's only so many teams that still need a quarterback. So, you you know, there's a chance you might end up cutting him or the value gets so low that we could end up, you know, just throwing a fifth round pick and you're going to accept it because what else are you going to do? So uh, I think that uh, it'll be interesting on draft weekend if anything happens. I think, you know, the two teams are Carolina and Seattle. Those are the two teams that make the most sense that really make the only sense. Um, and I think as we get closer, it becomes more and more clear. I, I shouldn't say clear because nothing is clear about this draft. Nothing. It's crazy. If usually at this point we have a good idea of what's going to happen. Even the top 10 this year we don't. And so Carolina at six, if they don't draft the quarterback um, I would not be surprised at all. If at some point, you know, there's, you know, gets announced that they trade a a future second next year second to the Browns for uh, or maybe a conditional second that, you know, it becomes a third if he only plays X amount of games or, you know, whatever um, uh, to the Browns when you look at Carolina, I, you know, they're, they're in quarterback limbo and I I think the chance to bring in a guy like Baker who, you know, won your contract basically, um, you know, see what you could do. uh, I think that that would make a ton of sense for him. Uh, I mean, either Seattle or Carolina would, would be a good spot uh, for him to kind of just try to do his best to show out. But if Carolina drafts a left tackle at six, you you trade a future pick for Baker uh, all of a sudden that offense becomes a little more interesting to watch.
0: Yeah. There'd be a lot of people here in the state of Oklahoma watching it. I I know that. Yeah, Christian
2: McCaffrey. I mean, uh, is DJ Moore still got – you know, you you had that left tackle. uh, The offense, it it, it becomes uh, much better than we saw last year, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I I got one – I got a bunch of other kind of big-picture NFL draft questions for you, but I got one more question about this crop of draft-eligible OU guys looking at OU's backfield, right? Like the Mm -hmm. two staples in that backfield – were Kennedy Brooks and Jeremiah Hall. Yeah. And just guys that, you know, they, they just don't have the measurables, right? That, that some of the elite guys at their position, and then you look at Jeremiah Hall, there's, you know, only a handful of teams in the league using a fullback position. How, how do you think things will go for, for them, you know, day three of the NFL draft? Or are those two guys you think have a chance to have their name called or do you see more of the undrafted free agent route for him?
2: Oh, no, I think both have a chance. Uh, but like, just like you said, it just depends on the situation. And, you know, because uh, Hall, especially, um, you know, because a, a team needs to you know have, a, a, have to fill a need at that position, being that hybrid fullback, tight end, uh, H-back, do everything type of guy. You have to have a need there. Uh, and, and then also uh, have to have a, a draftable grade on Hall. And that's, you know, those two things have to match up and not every team's going to have that. So it, it, I think with Hall, it'll be interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went sixth or seventh round. Uh, I mean, he has that ability. He's certainly worth it. But for him to actually get drafted, it's another story. And with Kennedy Brooks, yeah, I mean, this guy was I, – I mean, OU has obviously had these really impressive running backs. Uh, you know, just they find ways to be productive. Um, and, and, you know, Brooks – the three years that he was on the field, every single year. I mean, he he had over a thousand yards each of the three years that he was out there. He so, when
1: came back this this next year, he probably would be OU's all-time leading rusher. How crazy, is that? Yeah, no, yeah.
2: He he would have been, yeah, probably just shy of five thousand career yards. I mean, he's he's got that type of ability at any at any moment. So, um, I I think he's shown it; he can do it. I I, I want to see. I I don't think we saw enough about with him. Um, you know, like in in passing situations as a receiver, as a blocker. I think that's something that's really missing from his game. Um, And he's just, he's just not an explosive guy. Uh, At least that's not how he runs. It's not how he plays kind of a short stepper. Uh, That's his, that's his run style. Um, But I I do think he has a really good feel for, uh, you know, block or his block development, a good feel for where those holes are developing um, and he, he makes these little subtle moves that just that really help him, uh, avoid tackles. So Kennedy Brooks is intriguing and this is, uh, day three running backs. We're going to see these guys, uh, you know, come off the board like crazy, but we'll, we'll see a few, you know, Brees Hall is going to be in a second, Kenneth Walker will be in a second. Um, you know, maybe one or two more get in the third round, but then on day three, we're going to see 12 to to 20 running backs uh, come off the board and and it would not be surprising at all if one of these guys is able to become a starter next year, just because of, you know, happenstance injury, whatever Uh, you know, like a, like a James Robinson, or, you know, we've seen it happen time and time again, Kenny Brooks is in that mix, you know, where if he goes to the right spot and has a chance to get on the field, uh, you know, you just never know.
1: You said earlier that it's it's a weird year that there's not a lot of certainty as to what's going to happen there at the top. And I've heard a lot of people say that it's just kind of a light draft class anyways. I mean, there's a couple of guys there, but you're kind of short on people that you feel like would be franchise type of guys. Have you seen it kind of the same way? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Aiden
2: Hutchinson is the favorite to go number one. And if he was in last year's draft, he probably doesn't go top ten. You know, and that's that's nothing against Aiden. Aiden's a terrific player, but it's just, uh, you know, we're, we're missing the Kyle Pitts's, uh, you know, we're missing the Jamar Chase's, the, um, you know, the, the corners that went top 10 last year with J.C. Horn, Patrick Cheptan, Um, and then, of course, the quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a big part of this. We don't usually the quarterbacks are the tent poles where when you map out that first round. You know, last year we knew quarterbacks were going one, two, three, even if you don't know exactly which quarterback, you know, like last year there was, you know, Mac Jones or Trey Lance, you know, we didn't know exactly which quarterback was going three, but you still know quarterbacks are going there. You knew Justin Fields is going somewhere top 12. You knew Mac Jones is going somewhere top 20. So, uh, you know, we had those tent poles where we could work around that as we forecast how that first round and and not just me, but teams, I, I, you know, mock drafts get a lot of, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, they get mocked. Uh, but NFL teams do, them, you know, because they they if I'm picking at 15, NFL team is doing a mock draft for the first 14 picks because they want to understand who's, you know, what are the chances this player will be there or, or you know, what just what's a, our board looking like at that point. Um, and talking to teams that are picking in the teens or even in the early 20s, they said this is the hardest they've ever had it uh, in terms of trying to forecast how those picks are going to play out because we don't know anything about the quarterbacks in terms of how high uh, they're going to go. I mean each each one kind of says the same thing like hey they're going to go. But no one can tell me where. Uh it doesn't seem like 6 of Carolina is going to happen. Um do we see Seattle at 9 maybe uh you know that'd be a surprise but it's possible. Uh do, does Pittsburgh trade up uh you know from from 20 to go get their guy whoever that is maybe but my point is we don't have those tent poles. And so uh, and then we don't have the, the 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 quote unquote blue chippers, the elite guys that are just no doubt about it, top five players. Um, but we have we still have a lot of good players in this draft. I mean, I'm a big Travon Walker fan. Um, I, I love Ike Kwanu. uh, the couple corners that are really talented. So there's still talent in this draft. And, and honestly, it's gonna make for a really fun draft day. Uh, not no you know, last year we had more talent, but it was kind of predictable this year first round is going to be crazy. And that's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Okay. This may be, it may be the same guy, but who is, who do you think is the best player in this draft? And then who is your favorite player in this draft?
2: Um, I think the best player, I mean, I have Aiden Hutchinson as number one on my, on my board personally. Um, I just think he's a guy that um, checks a lot of boxes for what you're looking for uh, in terms of, uh the the production what he did in uh on the field based on you know you can point to on the tape hey he did this he did you know i've, I've watched it with my own eyes um the the testing the athleticism that he brings uh you know he had the same three cone as vaughn miller like this this is a really good athlete we're talking about dayton hutchinson um and, and then talking to his coaches talking to scouts about him it's just they from a preparation standpoint from a makeup standpoint they they, they call him the lot wasp the lost Watt brother just in terms of how he's wired you know this is a guy that is uh all football all the time I mean he he just this is all he cares about and, and so I, I think that when you put it all together uh you, you know there's that's why I, for me Hutchinson's the top guy my favorite guy is probably who I have ranked two on my board and that's Ike Aquanu from NC State um no, no joke in the in uh, in the fall, uh, Sunday mornings, uh, the family you we know, we go to church, come home, and I fire up uh, you know my computer and I check my my system to see what tape has been uploaded from the day before. And the first team I would check every single Sunday was NC State because I wanted to see uh, you know what souls did uh, Ikikekwonu snatch the the day before. I mean, he is that type of player. He's fun. He's it's controlled violence. It's explosiveness uh can play guard or tackle and the strides that he made in uh pass protection this past year really sold me. Uh he dominant run blocker, but his, his improvements in pass protection were I thought really impressive.
0: Yeah, they'll get they'll get him to stop oversetting. That's a <laughs> that's an easy fix.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean that's- I I I think and he showed enough progression in that area that I think that, yeah, he and he's a really Really sharp guy. I mean, you talk to him, and, and there's a couple guys like that in this in this draft, more than a couple. That you you talk to them, and you just walk away feeling like, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, even if it's not in football, this guy's gonna win at life. Uh, Ikia Puanu, definitely one of those guys.
0: You you mentioned that this draft uh, it doesn't have the tent poles at quarterback, but those guys are gonna go somewhere. And as you've evaluated them. Who are, who are kind of your favorite guys in this QB class? Because it seems like everyone is saying the same stuff, like that just a lot of people aren't very high on any of these guys.
2: I mean, do I have to pick a favorite? Because I don't know that I have one, you know? Like it's, <laughs> it's 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 hard to really look at any of these quarterbacks. And, and here's my thing. If you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round, um, I, I believe you better have conviction that that quarterback is going to be a top 15 quarterback in the NFL, just top half. You know, 32 teams, one of the top 16 quarterbacks in the NFL at some point during their rookie contract, even if it's not until year three, four, five. Um, but you have to have conviction; they'll get there, or else what's the point? You know, it, it, why are we drafting him in the first round, spending a first round asset on a guy that we're just not sure is going to get there? So I, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to really have that conviction with this this group. Now, if I need to win a game tomorrow. I feel really comfortable bringing Kenny Pickett in, and I think he can help me win a football game. Now, does he have a ceiling that's going to help me win the Super Bowl? That that's an entirely different thing, and that's that's tough, uh, you know. But if you don't if you don't believe that Kenny Pickett can lead you to the Super Bowl, you know what are we doing? You know why are we why are we going to draft him? Uh, you know it's, that's that's great that he can help us maybe win the division, maybe get us to the playoffs. But you got to get us there, and so I, I think that's the hangup with Pickett, Malik Willis. He's, the, the traits are so much fun i mean the, the athleticism the arm but uh it, it's it's still a big gap in terms of what he was asked to do at the college level and what he was asked to do what he will be asked to do in the nfl and i don't think he's deficient in those areas he's just very very unproven um and, and so the passing vision um the field vision uh you know his ability to Progress uh, and read read the coverage. Um, I, I mean, pre and post snap. I mean, it's something that I it, it, it's you know the film you throw it on there and you can see these little examples of him doing it. But more often than not, it's and it's what he wasn't asked, he wasn't asked to do it on a consistent basis. So it, it's you know Desmond Ritter is kind of a, a mix of both where you know you could see him coming in having success uh, as a starter, uh, you know, moderate success, you know, pushing, you know, helping you stay in games. Uh, You know, win football games. But, uh, you know, is he is he a guy that you have a ceiling that can take you all the way? I don't know. It's just hard to It's I think maybe the best way to put it is I think quarterbacks in this class are are pretty easy to like, but really hard to love. And uh, but these guys are going to go. And so it's going to be really interesting to see where that run starts. Who's the first quarterback off the board? And then how many end up going first round? Is it, is it two? Is it three? It, it, it maybe more. Do, does do we see a team, you know, trade back into the late first to get a Matt Corral, get that fifth year option. It, it, it's at least possible. Um, but it, it's going to be fascinating to see it play out.
0: Last question. We'll let you get out of here. I can't believe the twins have stayed asleep. Champs. Right. It's a absolute champion, champs. Yes. Championship level performance by them. <laughs> um, Two players that, you know, their draft stock and the coverage of them, it's been so interesting to me over the last couple seasons. Kayvon Thibodeau and Derek Stingley. Yeah. With all of the ups and downs and all the think pieces that have been written on these guys, ultimately they're both still going top 10,
2: right? Very good chance. Yeah. Um, I, with Stingley, it's, you know, it, if you flip that 2019 season and the 21, 2021 season, we're talking about him as the number one pick. I, I mean, that 2019 season was so amazing. Uh, yeah, 21 passes defended six interceptions. Uh, you know, but he was a big part of that championship team uh, for LSU, but the last two years basically lost years for him. Uh, it, you know, especially this past year where he missed most of the year with a foot injury. And so, uh, you know, it's, you start to you know wonder, okay, is he? Uh, it, first off, the medicals. You know, doctors have to give you the trainers give you two thumbs up and say, yeah, you know, he's clear, uh, fully healthy. But then, you know, is he going to be able to fight through pain? Is he going to be someone we have to worry about? You know, being nicked up constantly uh, throughout his career, or is this just kind of a one-time thing? And you know, he's going to go back to being uh, the stud we saw in 2019. Um, and then with with Thibodeau. I don't think it's it's ever been about him falling as it has it has been about finding the best fit for him. He's just not going to be a fit for everybody. And that it really comes down to, uh, you know, the the personality and, you know, he, he cares about his brand. And that's okay. You know, you look around the NFL, it's not full of humble superstars. There's a lot of superstars that have, you know, side hustles and care about. Uh, you know I mean Tom Brady cares about hey obviously Tom's a little more accomplished uh, than a player that hasn't been drafted yet but uh, it's something that teams do you know that's that's the conversations they're having uh, when it comes to Thibodeau is um, it's not a question of like whether he loves football or not because I there's no question he loves football but at a certain point Will something eclipse football on the priority list, uh as as kind of being the main focus for him. Um, and so it's I I don't think that he goes, I mean, he could he could go two. It's that's not impossible. I don't he's not going one. I don't think he goes three. Um, I I think he could go two to the Lions um seven of the giants um uh, there there are a few spots in the top 10 where i I think it will make sense and he'll just be too good to pass up at that point so uh and and same thing with stingley uh at, at the very least he's going top 12 so yeah both these guys we're gonna hear their names pretty early next thursday night
0: dan i know you're extremely busy right now man we really appreciate the time the most comprehensive coverage of the nfl draft Go check all of his stuff out at The Athletic. You're the man.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It was fun.
0: It'll be – man, there's – I feel like there's not the same buzz around the draft that there normally is, but Brugler, he, he kind of got me excited
1: for it. Yeah. I, I think whenever there's – it's weird. Sometimes there's a lot of buzz whenever you know who, like, kind of the top couple of guys are and maybe – it's more about does it really unfold that way. But whenever there's, among most of the draft experts, a lot of uncertainty, maybe there's not a lot to grab a hold of there. But I still think it's going to be really cool.
0: No, I'm with you. And you, you know we will, we will keep on our eye on where all those OU guys go. Hopefully, they all get drafted. Hopefully, all of them go. Uh, but uh, you really never No. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week.
1: But first, it's time to get back out on the golf course, people. And there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf, Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. Tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is coming out in May. To find a place near you that has Clubby's, visit ClubbySeltzers.com.
0: And attention, business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Yeah, you do. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, You'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. And go eat at Ted's Tacos and Cantina, people. It's an awesome bar with fantastic food. And they just dropped their latest batteria creation, the Wet Dia. This massive quesadilla is loaded with slow-cooked beef buria, cheese, onions, cilantro, and spicy mocajete sauce, and comes with a side of beef consomme for dipping. I've had it. It's really good. You need it in your life. If you love delicious food, delicious drinks, and fantastic service, head to Ted's Tacos and Cantina. They have locations in Uptown OKC, Ada, and Ardmore. Visit Tedstacocantina.com. For more information, as always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Uh,
1: I usually, I think stuff like this is stupid. And I think one of the things that, um, it seems to have kind of gone by the wayside is like the commitment videos of, of recruits. I feel like I haven't seen many of those anymore, there used to be like every every recruit had a big video to put out but the rams draft video was really really cool i thought that was awesome kind of made it look like it was uh, oceans 11 or something like that and you saw a bunch of the rams players in it and some uh, some actors making some cameos i at when i first started i was like oh this is going to be so stupid but it turned out i actually enjoyed it and admittedly, it is something that I usually hate. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the walls are coming down uh, for me or something, Gabe. I don't know what's happening with me.
0: Okay, so if you haven't seen the video, highly recommend going and checking it out. It's funny because I don't think the Rams have a pick till, like, the third round.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's like,
0: we're going to steal the draft. Are you? Are, are you really? But, okay, what was your... You, you, you've got some, like you said, I wonder what the budget for the video was, because it is like a straight up Hollywood production. You've got Dennis Quaid as Stan Crocky Tyrese is in there just randomly. He's, it seems to be kind of like leading the heist of sorts, uh, Josh Holloway as Les need. You've got, was it Scott Eastwood? Who I was randomly next to at a club in LA one time, we they had the table next to us. Nice. Great guy, by the way. He was he was Sean McVay. I I thought Van Jefferson's performance in there was on. Who was the guy? I can't remember who it was, but they're But he's like, you know, millions of people are come to to Las Vegas, and the other guys are like, yeah, for the draft, and he's like Celine Dion. That that was my favorite part.
1: <laughs> was that was one of the players, wasn't it?
0: I think so. Yeah, it had yeah. to have
1: been. Uh, I liked uh, Aaron Donald. They had him as the nerd, kind of the nerdy guy. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was really well done. And it kind of really well done for uh, a team with no picks. But that it, but they referenced that in the video, which is kind of funny. Like, everyone's talking about they ruined their their future with no picks and they're stealing the draft. I, I don't know. I thought it was really cool. Uh, I actually got a chuckle out of it and – uh, I don't know, kind of a Ocean's Eleven meets like Fast and Furious type of uh, trailer. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah i i was I was pretty impressed, and that's that's what you can do when you win the Super Bowl. You can make stuff like that, and people can't say anything. They can't just like, "What are we gonna say?" They they just won it all. It's like they don't have many picks, but. This is, I guess, this is what the front office has been doing in the meantime since they don't have to prepare for the first round of the draft.
1: Yeah, we're not, we're not scouting anyone. So let's, let's go make a, a movie uh, trailer. Uh, I thought, I thought it was really well done.
0: But yeah, go, go check it out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, the, the steal the draft video. If you, if you Google that, you'll, you'll find it. All right, who do you have as your loser of the week?
1: I thought about going with allergy sufferers out there. Uh, I, I don't know if Damon you've heard Lane. my
0: voice like and I've even had some people like on the YouTube comments be like, dude, are you all right? It's been like I'm struggling, man. I'm str- well, I'm Damon over here Lane. popping lozenges like it's my job.
1: You almost died with that cough uh, the, that one day. I think since then it's, it's been hanging around. People are worried, but allergy suffers. I saw Damon Lane tweeted this out. This has been the windiest April in 50 50- years since 1970 I thought I was going crazy I thought maybe I was just getting old and noticing the wind and and complaining about things more but no it turns out yes the windiest April since 1970 so um thought about going with that but that uh, can we use that for an
0: excuse of why our golf games are currently at where they're at sure that's what I always do. perfect
1: I've always done that I've always done that Um, But I ended up going with, this is an amazing story, Kansas Wesleyan Baseball, okay, they're playing a, a game against Bethany College, and someone goes to the Gatorade to get some water, notices there's something strange about the water coming out of the Gatorade jug. Turns out they find a substance in the Gatorade jug. What's the substance? They believe it's paint thinner. Okay? So there's a current police investigation going on. Uh, Kansas Wesleyan believes that Bethany College put something poison, paint thinner, in the Gatorade jug. How about that?
0: I I saw this. Did so that that part is. I mean, it's hard to comprehend that another school would do that. Now I will. Unless I will it's say a this. mistake, like It's they, a mistake, right? Okay. You you would it's assume. Now they're they're doing an investigation like that has not concluded, but you would assume the school uses some of those big Gatorade jugs for paint or something like that, which. That seems like a bad idea. You can Very fix those idea. up, <laughs> but did you did you see what happened to the game in the game? No. Uh, Kansas Wesleyan. I guess they were mad about that whole thing because they beat Bethany College, thirty three to two.
1: Woo! No mercy rule, I guess. Jeez. I
0: I suppose not.
1: I. Yeah. I understand maybe throwing some X-lax in there or what was it? The muscle relaxer? remember that old commercial where they put the muscle relaxers in the Gatorade jug yeah. <laughs> football team, but yeah, something that's going to kill the other team. Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't seem, doesn't seem very smart. It's, it's gotta be a mistake. Like someone had to, have, I don't know, out of, maybe not.
0: I, I'm with you. Like out of all the, the funny things, you could put in the Gatorade cooler, like paint thinner. That's not funny. That's not a good prank. No, that's, that's just dangerous. Now the laxative thing, oh. if you know, it's the second inning and Kansas Wesleyan's entire team poops their pants. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. <laughs> now you still would have gotten sued and there would have been an investigation. People would have been pissed, but if you're going to do something to, to mess with the other team's water cooler, you can't, you can't take it that far. And I, like <laughs> you said,
1: gotcha, you're all dead.
0: <laughs> Woo. Oh, you're all in the emergency room losers. No, I, I with mean, it just, it had to have been a mistake, but I bet you that. I bet you that Bethany college will, will no long, no longer use Gatorade coolers as their paint buckets. Also, I would assume that change will be made.
1: Oh, that was wild. I saw that, and I was like, that's crazy. And, you know, I, you would assume that you would, you would have to think that your first thought would be, oh, my gosh, there was a mistake made. You know, there was something in here, and they filled it up with water unknowingly. But there must be something going on to where that's not your first thought. Your first thought is to call the cops, right? Wow. Pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. It is. I, I think we're all interested to see how, uh, how that whole thing plays out. All right. Let's get to my winner and loser.
1: But first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB, making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information.
0: And if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcony's products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snack some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn, that's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember, in 2012, Balcony's single malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen and became the first American distillery to win that competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. Go drink it. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but yes, the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit com. All right. For my winner of the week, thought about going with the PGA championship at Southern Hills. Mm. Are you going? I, I think we're going to hit up the weekend because I think I think my my in-laws are they have like a sponsorship tent or something like that. So I think we're gonna, we're gonna try to go. But Phil Mickelson might be there too, registered to play in it. And now I guess it's not a guarantee that he's going to play in it just because he registered. But I feel like Lefty has fallen off the face of the earth, and he may he may resurrect, he may rise from the ashes at Southern Hills in Tulsa. Ted, could be kind of fun.
1: Yeah the uh, the best thing to do is to get out there, play some golf, and try and move on. That's about it. That's the, the longer you stay away, the longer everyone's going to talk. So get out there, play some golf, wear the terrible shades. And it may even be good if he goes back to the front button up, long sleeve, mizzen and main shirts that oh, everyone I kept talking about. about. Give what, people something else to talk about.
0: What a phase that was. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully we see lefty there at Southern Hills. I uh, also thought about going with Miami heat eliminated Trey young and the Hawks did it without Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. And now they just get to sit there and rest and chill waiting for the winner of the 76ers and rafters. That's playoffs
1: a bit crazy so far, man.
0: Yeah. But Miami's there just kind of chilling now. So that's, that's a good spot to be in if you're the heat. Now I also thought about going with Texas fans, man. Cause I can't lie. Quinn years look pretty good. In that spring game, I and they've got juice at the skill positions. I don't know if they're going to be able to block anyone with that offensive line, especially those two offensive tackles. They got to upgrade at tackle, but their skill positions worthy. Uh, Nair, the transfer Whittington, if he's healthy, Bijan, uh, Sanders, the tight end, looks like he could end up being a dude. I know that, I know it's Texas, but. That offense, I, I think their defense may still stink like they did last year, but that offense is going to have, if they can block yeah. people,
1: it's going to have some pop now. They're going to be good. They're going to be good. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see see Quinn Ewers and, um, Hudson know. Card look good too. Yeah, Hudson Card. It's going to be interesting to see if if Quinn Ewers is the guy. If if Hudson Card maybe would uh would hit the transfer portal. Be a nice backup quarterback at OU, wouldn't he? Mm-hmm.
0: Wouldn't he? But my winner of the week, John Morant. Man, first of all, won the NBA's Most Improved Player Award, and then took that award and took it to Desmond Bain, his teammate's house, and left it there for him. Which, because Desmond Bain, uh, he he made a massive leap this year, and I thought that was cool. Just hey. Ah, you probably deserve this more than me. Here's your trophy. Just left it on his kitchen counter. That's that's hilarious and it's awesome. I think it says a lot about John ja Morant. But the dunk he had on Malik Beasley. Oh my goodness! Just just get out of the way, man. What do you do I mean, John ja Morant cocked that thing as far back as humanly possible. Ted, my goodness. And how about Iron Eagle on that call? What do you call it? A jawbreaker? Oh, he, that was awesome. A, The dunk and the call, everything about it was fantastic. That's one of the best in-game dunks we've ever seen.
1: Uh, He, that dude can fly. He does some of the craziest things that I've ever seen. Some of his blocks that he's had like in, in fast break situations and some of his dunks are just insane. And I'm glad they didn't call it there, but that could have been a charge outside the circle, but I've always said this, and I wish the NBA would adopt it. If a guy is standing outside the circle, and you leave your feet and dunk it, and you're able to complete the dunk, it should not ever be called a charge, ever, under any circumstances. If you can fly that far and that high, you have a right to the rim, in my opinion, and uh, that one was just insane i watched the replay of it on twitter probably 75 times
0: yeah i we can call i like that
1: the right to the rim rule yeah right i mean if you can if you can leave your feet and get there the defender really is inconsequential in my opinion
0: yeah and the the thing about is like now the pictures of the dunk are also like so sick i know that are posters still a thing for kids
1: I don't know. How about instead of uh, you got posterized, you got uh, you got screensavered. You yeah, screensaver. You got gift. gift you got yeah. NFTed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like that was
0: whatever kids are doing these days. That's gonna that's gonna be a popular one. But the the thing about it is like, man, Memphis they were down like eleven with seven minutes to go, and came back to win the game. And John Morant didn't play particularly well in in the majority of that game, but in the fourth quarter, it, he was awesome. And the end of that game, like the play that Minnesota drew up to get Anthony Edwards that three to tie the game with three seconds to go, that was, that was awesome execution from the Timberwolves and, and a big shot by Edwards. But what was Anthony Edwards doing going over the top and trying to – like what – he gave John Morant a, a free run to the basket. Now, you know, a good challenge at the rim on Morant, and he just floated in the air like a superhuman and laid it in left-handed, but I have no clue what Anthony Edwards was doing defensively there. That was a, that was a big mistake.
1: Yeah, it's been, it, that series has been a lot of fun.
0: Oh, um, the most fun by far. Now, Pelicans and, and Suns has been really fun as well, but that one has been wildly entertaining.
1: Yeah, and I didn't see this last one, but are they still keeping Adams out of the rotation, mainly? Yeah, yeah.
0: Unfortunately, we all love Stephen Adams, but I don't even, I don't even remember seeing him on the court, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But John Morant, eighteen points in that fourth quarter when it didn't look like he had it, like it just didn't look like he had it, and that atmosphere in Memphis looked awesome. I'm so jealous.
1: I know that That should be us. Morant is uh, that I would pay a lot of money to watch that guy play. He's, he is, he's just a highlight reel waiting to happen.
0: I, I was thinking about that last night. Like who in sports right now, like not just in basketball, like who in sports would you rather watch in person than John Morant? It's like you you think like Mahomes, Kyler Murray, like that type. Like, but it's just the entertainment value that that guy brings to watching him play. Like, I don't know who else I'd rather watch. I mean, there's yeah. there's better players in the NBA, but I don't know how many guys are more entertaining. I don't think it's like Steph Curry's fun as hell to watch, but give me John ja Moran over that. Like, yeah.
1: No. I mean he, it's just
0: the level of athleticism, there. like the attitude, like everything about it is it's so fun to watch.
1: Yeah. No, I, I he is. He's I think he he it feels like it's kind of weird that I mean even like Durant and like the the last group that's really dominated for you know the last decade and even more, whenever you, you count LeBron, those guys are starting to age out, you know. And there's, there's a new crop of guys coming up. And I feel like Morant's going to be like one of those main dudes that's going to be superstar worthy. Just because I think there's, there's better players. But sometimes it's not always about how good you are. It's how loud do you do what you do. And he is loud.
0: Yeah, you talk about young guys in the league right now in the NBA. I think John Morant's got that. Anthony Edwards, the guy from the Timberwolves, like he is a, mm-hmm. he's just a stupid athlete. Uh, he's going to be one of those guys. And then I'm not sure how many people kept tabs on the Houston Rockets after the All-Star break, but Jalen Green, that guy, yeah. whew, I mean, his level of athleticism, he, he's going to be a dude now. So. If they
1: get people around him, where do you put SGA in that group? He just, his game's different. Like, are we talking about, like, as, you
0: know, effectiveness or are we talking about entertainment value?
1: Well, just kind of like the next group of of guys that, like, he may not be as entertaining, but, like, the guys that are going to be the new, like, max players that are teams are going to be built around.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, the hope is he's going to be, you know, a an all-NBA type player, right? Yeah. That's. That's what you got to hope. So if he can continue to finish as well as he does at the rim, as creative as he is at the rim, and if he can get – if he can make a big improvement shooting the three, he can he can be one of those guys. Now he he operates a little differently. Like he's not he, – he's athletic as hell. I don't want to make it sound like he's not, but he's not – I mean, he's not John Moran or Anthony Edwards.
1: No, he's not Lee from – in between the bottom of the circle and the free throw line, cock it back to your ankle and punch it on a dude that's two feet outside of the circle trying to take a charge. It's crazy, man.
0: Yeah. The, the hope would be for him and Josh Giddy to kind of elevate each other's game and to be able to play off each other and, and create, you know, one of the best backcourts in the NBA. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the hope. But SGA is a great player. I mean, there's no doubt, but is he because I I feel like if you're a max contract guy, you need to be in the conversation for all NBA. Right? And there's only three all NBA teams. There's fifteen guys. Mm-hmm. So can he get there? Hopefully. But he's gotta he's gotta show a lot more than he has to be in that conversation. I mean, if we're just yeah. being realistic about it. Gotta yeah. make an all star team
1: first. Well, And you you gotta rarely, and I don't know the history on all the All NBA, but it's it's hard to make it whenever you don't have a team that's in the running. Like you need to be. You don't have to win it, but you need to be in the conversation.
0: I hope it's just not awful next season. We're going we're going down a thunder rabbit hole. I got to pull us out. I got to pull us out (laughs) for my loser of the week. Thought about going with the Philadelphia 76ers. I mentioned earlier that the heat are just chilling now at home waiting. 76ers were up 3 0 against the Raptors and bead suffers the thumb injury. They lose game four then they lose game five at home. And, and bead doesn't look great hearing him talk after the game. Like he clearly isn't feeling great. It's affecting how his, like his mental approach to the game as well. Game six, Thursday night in Toronto, I expect the 76ers to get rolled in that game. And then it's going to be game seven. It's just not ideal. It's not ideal. You ever had a thumb injury? It, I, I've hurt my, I, I've hurt both thumbs and it is the worst. Like it's awful. Horrible.
1: Horrible. I don't have, I don't have like any ligaments left in this thumb. Oh. And. Like oh, right if, you're watching is... on,
0: if you're watching on YouTube <laughs> the,
1: and whenever I, I should have had surgery on it, uh, really on both of them, but I, it, it was so bad. Like all the ligaments were torn out of it. Like one time I reached to grab the steering wheel to drive and I hit the tip of my thumb on the steering wheel and my thumb came like this whole section of it came up over the knuckle and back here. It was the most excruciating pain I've ever been through, and I was driving down the road. <laughs> God, <laughs> dude. Gross, man. And it it hurts when you brush your teeth. It hurts when you're trying to put your shoes on. It hurts whenever you're trying to eat food. Like, you don't realize how much you use your thumbs until you've injured them. Oh. I, I feel for them right now.
0: And they take, like, thumb, fingers. They just take four ever to heal because of the blood flow like it oh i feel bad for him Bede.
1: when i was a rookie the first day of training camp we do we do stretch and then we go it's not no it's not even stretch yet we're doing like a warm-up like an individual with linebackers a warm-up before we stretch and the coach throws me a duck pass ball and i like Jammed one of my fingers to where I thought I broke it. it was how bad it was. first day of camp before it ever started, and it was brutal the whole camp oh, i mean it's, it was horrible.
0: that makes me so sad for you. All right, I also thought about going with Kevin Durant now he did have 39 points in game four against the Celtics, but he also missed some key shots late, including a missed free throw that kind of really changed how they had to approach the end of that game I can't I couldn't believe he missed that free throw but First time he's lost in
1: their last game, too, didn't he? I know, man. Yeah,
0: But first time he's lost in the first round since 2010 with the Thunder. First time he's ever been swept in the playoffs in his career. And then Charles Barkley went after him. Got after him a little bit, and they're going to be calling KD a bus rider for a while now because of old Chuck. And, of course, Durant wakes up morning after getting swept. And what does he decide to do? He's like, I'm going after Barkley. Screw it. Post some pictures. It, it causes a back and forth. Now also he on Twitter. And I, I kind of love that Durant's always on Twitter. It kind of makes him feel a little more normal, right? He's like one of the best basketball players ever. And he's just constantly online, like firing back at people. It's got, it's kind of fun, but now he's referring to himself as a God lowercase g on Twitter and he's like saying it's like a positive affirmation thing I'm like man we could we could choose another word you know another word would be good but I don't know it just positive affirmation delusion it's it just feels like things like the however he saw it going in Brooklyn it just it hasn't gone that way and now you're probably gonna sign Kyrie Irving to an extension. He's gonna continue to have his career, you know, hitched to that guy. The, the Ben Simmons situation. I mean, I, I feel like we've said enough about that. That guy's gotta he's gotta figure some things out. But you
1: know, it's it's, you know, heavily criticized at first. But now you look at Harden, it's like, hey, not actually a bad move. Uh, Harden smart. Yeah,
0: Harden Harden's out of shape. You can't go buy anyone anymore. And Philadelphia is still sitting there like, hey, we got the better end of this deal.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. I I love Barkley, though, man. The man is a national treasure.
0: He's he's awesome. I mean, I stay up so late to watch inside the NBA after those games. Like that, that is must see TV for me.
1: uh, Whenever Kenny was talking about, he he gave his rings to the people that were most important to him and helped him helped him get them and give it to like his brother and the other one maybe to his dad i think and chuck said you should have gave it to lakem <laughs> i they were do it like
0: and barkley i was mad at Kenny smith because barkley was about to he was he was about to kind of talk about how you know the, you, you know when you're the bus driver of the team you're the leader of the team you're like the go to guy like it's different and it seemed like he was about to go into some stories and stuff. And like an explanation And Kenny Smith chimed in. It was like, you, you may not have a championship, but you're a champion. And Barkley looked at him like, what the hell are you talking about, man? He was like, I don't get to sit at the table with the other guys. Cause I didn't win a championship and I'm fine with that. Like, and I don't know, Kenny Smith, I feel like Kenny Smith derailed. Some something great that we were about to get from Barkley in that moment. It pissed me off.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm amazed at how I can see in one minute. I feel like Shaq may seriously get up and go over there and punch Charles, and then five minutes later, Charles is saying something, and Shaq's over there like, mm, "Yep, that's right. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that it's, show is great. It'll the never, there's no way they'll show. ever be able to replace it. Oh,
0: absolutely not. All right, but my loser of the week." Mark Emmert. So <laughs> it's funny. So it was announced that he'll be stepping down as NCA president. Uh, I guess once a replacement or, is found or by June 30th, 2023, I'm not entirely sure why it'll take so long, but what, whatever. And normally when it's announced, when you've been doing something for over a decade and it's announced that you're stepping away from the job, normally people say nice things about you. Like, Oh, thank you for your contribution, the college athletics, you know, thanks for being a great guy, this, that, like, <laughs> it's the exact opposite, the exact opposite. People are celebrating Mark Ebert leaving as president of the NCA. And I don't think I've seen one nice thing, like complimentary thing written about the guy that's got to hurt, man. That's got to, it's Mark Ebert yeah. has to look at this stuff and be like, damn, was I really that bad, and the answer is yes, yes, you were mark
1: yeah, well, um, maybe to avoid all the negativity he doesn't have internet in his mansion uh you know that's the way to, the easy way to avoid all the negative criticism out there because uh, the dude has made a ton of money doing what i'm not sure exactly
0: well, if you think about it, and I believe. Um... You know, a couple of years ago, he raked in 2.9 million as the NCAA president. Pretty sweet gig. Uh, I would probably, I would probably let people just criticize me all day for 2.9 million a year. I, I think I'd, I'd do that. But other than completely, now and once again, he works, he works for school presidents, right? CEOs, whatever you want to call. them. So it's his job to take the heat for what those people want done. I know that, but in the press release, he said he quote emphasized the need to focus on the experience and priorities of student athletes. What? I mean, listen, we haven't forgotten what the women's NCAA tournament weight room looked like just a couple of years ago. And then you've got the FBI investigation in college hoops where his infractions committee sanctioned some schools and still hasn't sanctioned others but the i think his biggest mistake was was the complete mismanagement of the name image and likeness stuff starting with the obannon case and if he just would have been able to convince the people he represents those student you know those uh, school presidents that, hey, man, things are changing. Like, if he would have had some foresight, the NCA. you look at what he did now, like, them digging their heels in, it really has forced them to restructure, and it's made
1: them essentially irrelevant in college yeah. athletics. It's almost not even restructured. I, I'm going to start calling him uh, Blockbuster Emmert because, <laughs> you know, whenever... Th- whenever everything else was changing around them, absolutely refused. Like If they would have just given a little, some, some common sense things, you can sign autographs, you can make some appearances, you can do some of these things to, to cash in on your name, image, likeness, we probably could have avoided the let's pay a high school kid million over four years to come play quarterback here. We probably could have avoided that stuff. But now, because they didn't do anything, they didn't even prepare for if they lost those cases of how we're going to implement some of these new things. It's just basically, well, we lost, throw our hands up, we've got the Wild West.
0: So, other than losing the NCAA, Quite a bit of money that probably was avoidable. And other than getting owned by the Supreme Court in Congress, and other than the organization that he was leading having to completely change how it's structured, how it operates, and its purpose and importance,
1: he's great. <laughs> he's great. Yeah. Other than that, well, here's the thing I, I get part of me understands where he's coming from. Like, We're trying to, like, what this is supposed to be amateur athletics, right? So he's strictly trying to stick to we've got to keep this amateur. This is an amateur model. But you can't, if you can't see that it's an amateur model, but there's people making billions of dollars off of it, I, you, you have to level the playing field somehow, and you have to change what you now view as amateur athletics. It's not like a tennis tournament like at the local municipal facility, okay? We're talking about big-time, televised, highly, highly watched sporting events that create billions of dollars of revenue. It's not what we once considered amateur athletics
0: yeah and where where it all went wrong for him is and I know he was listening to the people that he works for, but it was his job to make them see what was coming, and he he failed miserably at that, and now we're we're at wherever we're at, and the n c a is is really honestly trying to figure out if it has a place in the future of college athletics kind of as my read on it. So yeah. kind of seems like we're headed toward the conference commissioners and maybe the TV networks, obviously heavily involved, but kind of seems like that's, who's going to be running the show here pretty soon.
1: So nice job, Emmert. It's going to be college sports, but it's going to be run like pro sports. Yep. To some degree.
0: All right. On that note, episode 209 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 947 the Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius 6 and Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a fantastic weekend. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. You always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
1: Just one more